Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we believe what Dr. Dustin Benge recently wrote. One of the main reasons for error in theology is the desire to say something new. And here at Kitchen Table Theology, rather than trying to say new things, we are trying to help you understand the old things, things of Scripture, not adding to it or taking away from it. And as we begin another podcast, we want to say thank you for leaving us ratings and reviews. One recent review comes from the Low Country, I'm assuming it's Low Country Living, LVG. I would think so. Low Country Living. I like that. And they write, this podcast is exactly what I needed. The words that came to mind after listening to the first podcast were professional, unbiased, informative, and God-inspired. I can't wait to listen to the rest. Your check is in the mail. Woo! Goodness. That's a good one. <laughs> they continue to say, please keep making these podcasts. I don't ever want to run out of opportunities to learn more through this wonderfully done podcast. Well, low country living, goodness, you're making us blush today. <laughs> <laughs> that is truly very kind, and we appreciate your thoughts. We appreciate, yeah, we just, we appreciate it. That there's only one way to say so it. so nice. It's very, it's very incredible. nice. Thank you. Well, hey, if you're sitting on an idea and you want to leave a rating or review, please do so under whatever platform you're listening from right now. You can hit pause. I just discovered that, that you can hit pause in your podcast, go and leave a review and then come back. But we don't necessarily encourage it. No, just keep listening. But it's possible. But it is possible for the power of technology. <laughs> Either way, we deeply appreciate those and it helps us to reach so many more people. It thrills us to know that Kitchen Table Theology is helping so many of you and that you do know that we're coming at, from it, not our words, but it's a God. In the the more of our words we use, the more dangerous this becomes. Especially but when it comes to me. Especially yes, when it comes last to me. podcast you... Well, it was over review. Somebody said that they were appreciative of the, the non-condescending, and I said non-condensation. <laughs> I mean... Well, that's true, though. There's the condensation that exists here is usually around our coffee cups. There probably so. are, are times where we leave our <laughs> listeners in a misty fog. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> well, we, hey, let's move on. Yeah, let's, let's dive in, shall we? <laughs> let's move on. Well, Dr. Jeff, we're currently looking at a number of things that instantaneously occur in the life of the believer at the moment of salvation. We've already covered several of these in previous podcasts. If you missed any of those, go back. We'd love to help you fill in those gaps. So what are we looking at today? Well, before I say that, this is the 4th of July weekend. Mm. And when, as we're recording this, I don't know when you perhaps listen or listening to this, but as, as this is being dropped, it's 4th of July weekend. So... Happy Independence Day, everybody. And mm. to our British listeners, thanks for making our freedom possible. <laughs> oh, they'll love that. Yeah. But any anyway. Can uh, we send them slices of apple pie in the mail? Tea. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll just take it out of the Boston Harbor. and Yeah. We've digressed. And we have. We've degenerated we have. quickly. <laughs> Sorry about that. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah. We love you wherever you're from or wherever you're listening to this from. I thought about doing today's podcast when on the last podcast, you in one sentence, Miss Jens, you summed up the theology of the Reformation. Mm. 
As I often do in casual conversation. This is why you don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come here. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I know the Reformation. No, Jen has a lot of friends. I'm the, I'm the one to talk about friends, right? <laughs> so what, what you verbalized are known as the five solas mm. of the Reformation. And I thought we would just, talking about hitting pause, we'd hit pause for one podcast today, and we let today's podcast be a rabbit trail. We kind of jogged down. And let's talk about what those five are, because they literally changed the history of the church. Mm. And it, it's all theology. So it, it fits our podcast. And it, since this is kind of a holiday weekend, we're having a little holiday here. Is mm. we, we just, we're just going to run down a little rabbit trail today. And let's be honest, we might not finish it all in one podcast. Well, we're not planning to. <laughs> yeah, this will probably go into two podcasts. Okay, yeah. perfect, perfect. Well, let's... I, yeah, I had forgotten that <laughs> <Yes>. already. <laughs> let's get started. You'd better start by telling us what a sola is. You said there's five of them, so apparently they're important. So why don't you explain to us why it should matter? And S-O-L-A is, or S-O-L-A-S, or S-O-L-U-S. Sola. It's all the the words from one one root word. Well, this October, and we're recording this, this is the first weekend of July as you're listening, I should say as it drops. Uh, This October 2022 will be, it will be 505 years Mm. since the Catholic monk Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany on October the 31st, 1517. So while the whole world around me celebrates Halloween, I literally, I'm (laughs) celebrating Reformation Day. That started taking the heart of Christianity back to its roots. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to tell you, listener, uh, if you are totally not into church history, this you might as well go ahead and log off now, because this is going to be kind of a church history thing. But I encourage you to hang in there and listen and learn, because what happened in the Reformation changed the course of Christianity in the whole wide world. And we should be so very, very grateful to the Reformers Mm -hmm. for what they did and the faith that we have today. So they started taking the heart of Christianity back to its roots. And it's the Reformation was all summed up in five Latin phrases, and here they are. Sola fide, sola scriptura, solus Christus, sola gratia, and soli deo gloria. In one seemingly simple act of nailing those things to the door, he Martin Luther just wanted to start a discussion rather than launch a reformation. He was a Catholic priest. He was just trying to change the stuff that was going on that he was seeing. So it ended up taking the whole Western world by storm, and the light of Christianity was finally taken out from under this basket of heretical theology. However, Luther was one act of courage that that, that sort of we 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 looked to October thirty first, fifteen seventeen. That 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 lit the spark mm. of the Reformation. Many more people were involved in paving the way before and after this Catholic Augustinian monk. John Huss, or Jan Hus, mm. was burned at the stake after refusing to recant his biblically-based beliefs, saying, he said this, God is my witness, and in the same truth of the gospel which I've written, taught, and preached, drawing upon the sayings and positions of the holy doctors, I am ready to die today. Mm. I have stood at the spot in Belgium where he was martyred for the faith. John of Gaunt, what a name, John of Gaunt. And <laughs> Doesn't John, sound like a very cheery guy. <laughs> no, no, John of Gaunt and John Wycliffe, hmm. they stood together in England. They were 
before Martin Luther, condemning the corruption of the popes and priests. William Tyndale, the translator of the first English Bible, we have a great deal to be thankful for, for John, uh, William Tyndale, translated the first English Bible drawn directly from the original languages rather than the Latin Vulgate. John Wycliffe, oh, sorry, William Tyndale was seized and burned at the stake. During his execution, he was heard to pray, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Hmm. John Knox, a Scottish reformer. I have been in at St. Giles Church in Edinburgh, where John Knox was the minister. I have stood at his grave, which is marked by a placard in the parking lot. He's buried right near parking space number 22. Oh There's goodness. no monument. There's no <laughs> headstone. There's no, they paved right over his... Uh, I parked very close to where John Knox is buried. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He was in prison twice for going against the human doctrine of the Catholic Church, but refused to stop preaching the inerrant, infallible gospel of Christ until his very natural death. Hmm. Well, as you're talking, I'm noticing these are all different leaders from different countries, right? Yeah. And they couldn't really travel or get around back then as easily as we travel today. So the glue, so to speak, that held them all together was their theology, Mm -hmm. although... You know, they might have been at odds with each other on some things. On secondary things, absolutely they were. But on the primary things, they were. And those primary things are now known as? The five solas. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And and it was one little word that appears in all five phrases that made all the difference. The one little word in the churches of the Reformation divided the Reformation folks, the the people who were seeing the need, and again, this is they were all seeing re, uh, the need for reform within the Catholic Church. They mm. were coming out of the Catholic Church. These weren't some people outside of the church starting their own thing up. Mm-hmm. They they were all committed Catholic people, but they were seeing problems. And so, the one little word that divided the Reformation folks from Rome of the 16th century, to borrow Luther's language from the Great Reformation hymn, one little word felled the corrupt institution of the day, and the one little word was only. Mm. Only. Or, as it is in Latin, take a guess, sola. Sola. (laughs) The Reformer said only or alone, while Rome consistently said and. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the Reformers included the word only in especially five important doctrines that they taught. These Five statements gradually became known as the five solas. Hmm. The five solas encapsulate the Reformation. The five points of view, they summarize the gospel that was restored to the church through the Reformation. Okay, so let's just start there. Let's just walk through each of those, and we'll ask you to give us an exclamation explanation along the way. Do you need some more Southern Pecan coffee? I need something. something. I need, Do you something. need something in your son. Well, we're noticing my son almost, oh, almost gets a word right, but it's just enough <laughs> to be really, really wrong. And apparently he gets it from me because this is where it comes out. You're just on a tiny bit of a roll today. How about you give us some explanation? And if you would like to exclaim in the midst I might exclaim of your, it. you yeah. might, then, oh, goodness, well, stick with us, y'all. Okay, I, I'd <laughs> love to. So let's begin with sola scriptura. Am I saying that right? Absolutely. Scripture alone. Mm -hmm. And as we do, let's remind ourselves of Timothy's words in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All right. So the reformers taught 
that Scripture alone, Scripture only, is the final authority. Now, to our ears, that seems perfectly natural. Mm -hmm. That was a big break from the religion they were a part of at that time. Mm. No one and nothing are above Scripture, is what they said, nor may be placed as an authority alongside of Scripture. Mm. So the Reformers are saying Scripture is the authority for the individual believer. Scripture is the authority for the church as a whole. It is the authority over faith, over what we believe. It's the authority over practice, how we live out that faith, how we live our daily lives. Scripture is also determinative for the worship of the church so that every element of worship is to be derived from Scripture, Scripture only, Scripture alone, sola scriptura. So the Reformers are honoring Scripture as the highest authority because they believe the Bible to be the divinely inspired Word of God. So Scripture is the authority in the church because Scripture alone is the very Word of God. Thus, it's capable of functioning, and it should function, as the supreme authority in the church, for the church, of the church. So sola scriptura is the first sola, for good reason. Mm-hmm. All the other ones depend on the first one. So all the, the other four are derived from sola scriptura. Mm-hmm. So Scripture teaches that Christ is the only Savior. Scripture teaches that salvation is by grace alone. Scripture teaches it's by faith alone. Scripture teaches that to God alone must be all the glory. So if Scripture is not the only authority, the other four solas fall to the ground. Okay, so that makes sense. So sola scriptura is, as we would say, the foundation of the other four solas. So then we have solus Christus, Mm -hmm. and that's based on 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So the Reformers insisted that Scripture proclaims Christ as the only Savior of sinners. Mm. Again, to our ears, of course. It was radical back then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As one with the Father, He's the very Son of God. He, Christ, does everything that's necessary for our salvation. Jesus left nothing undone. He left nothing partially done so that you know, we, we would need other saviors or, or we would need, what did we say in the last podcast? Not a corollary, but to supplement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He left no need for a supplement to salvation or an, an additional mediator besides mm-hmm. himself alone. So they're teaching from scripture, Christ's saving work was complete, effectual. He accomplished everything on account of which he had been sent into the world by the Father to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So because he's the only Savior who's fully accomplished all of our salvation, the Reformers objected to the Roman Catholic doctrine of the Mass as a perpetual re-sacrificing of Jesus. Mm. They stood against the doctrine of transubstantiation, which says and teaches that the bread and the wine become literally, Mm -hmm. literally become a physical manifestation of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So they viewed that as the re-sacrificing of the body and blood of Jesus. And Scripture says, once and for all. So such a sacrifice, said the Reformers, is not only unnecessary, it's a blasphemous denial of the finished work of Christ, and they considered it to be idolatrous. Mm. They, They were not... Mixing any metaphors, let me tell you. Well, and if I'm going to throw another little wrench in here, I imagine that some of the religious leaders of the day, 
they were thinking about some job security, right? Like they're thinking, well, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Luther was a Catholic priest, mm-hmm. you know, so he had a bishop to answer to. He had his peers to answer to. So he starts writing all of this stuff and he eventually gets in big trouble for it. Mm-hmm. And he's called before, I think, two different councils of cardinals and bishops. And the Pope was fully aware. And he was called to recant. And he was called to recant everything that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And they had all of his books there on the table. And he's sitting in front of, you know, a couple of dozen of these very high-powered individuals. Mm-hmm. And it makes for a great—actually, movies have been made of, mm-hmm. of the scene of, of that uh, the diet of worms, it was, it was called, or the, hmm. not the diet, the diet mm-hmm. of worms. Hmm. So they're, they're, they're teaching the merits of Jesus are the only ones that take away both the guilt and the punishment of our sins. And Rome was teaching that the merits of the saints, especially the merits of the Virgin Mary, were merits that are at the disposal of the church. So you have Christ, absolutely, but you mm-hmm. also have the saints. You also have the Blessed Virgin Mary. And what was going on in the Catholic Church back then, the church was distributing those merits to their people through the purchase of indulgences. Mm. There were indulgences that could be earned simply by paying to observe all kinds of relics of the saints. So lots of churches had a bone of Thomas. You know, I've seen a, a bone from the pinky finger of Thomas. How much did you pay to see that pinky finger? I didn't pay to see that. Okay. <laughs> that's at a that's at a church in Chennai, India. Hmm. And you walk up this big hill and there's a Catholic church up there. And in the middle of the crux of the cross, the intersection the intersecting point of the cross, there's this glass bubble on it and there's this little spindly bone. And they say, because Thomas it's believed, brought the gospel to India. Okay, I was going to ask how that connection was made. Okay. And he was martyred up on top of that hill mm. where the church is. Th- this is the traditional account, mm. and they have part of his bones. So th- there were bo- there were more bones of the disciples than there were dis- you know bones in the bodies of disciples eventually, <laughs> because every every church you know you had to have a relic. I guess, and you would go and pay to see that that relic, and that was an indulgence. So collections of these relics were found in all the major cities throughout Europe in in the uh, 16th century. And the Reformation demolished the whole system of indulgences based on the, the truth that Jesus is the only Savior. So they're teaching his merits alone, mm-hmm. no other merits are the basis for salvation. So when you bought an indulgence, you would pay money for an indulgence, it would lessen your time in purgatory. It would help deceased fam- loved ones who have gone before you. You could buy indulgences for them. So if if you've ever wondered how these grand and glorious cathedrals in Europe got mm. built, it was built on that money hmm. um, in many, many, many cases. So John Calvin, I don't think we've mentioned his name yet, but hmm. Calvin, one of the great reformers, he said this, in short, whoever wraps up two kinds of righteousness, Christ's, and our own, in order that miserable souls may not repose wholly in God's mere mercy, crowns Christ in mockery with a wreath of thorns. 
I'm going to imagine that that was a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, that, that didn't go back over well. in the day. He yeah. did. He did not. Um, he didn't mince words there, did he? <laughs> no, he Ooh, didn't. Goodness, maybe that's a good place to stop today. Yeah, yeah we should. <laughs> that's a pretty definitive statement. So so far, we've covered sola scripture in scripture alone, mm-hmm. and then solus Christus in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. So next is going to come. Yeah, we'll next podcast we'll do the remaining three. So you've got sola gratia by grace alone, mm-hmm. sola. Sola fide through faith alone, and soli deo gloria to the glory of God alone. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we told you it might be a rabbit trail that might be more than one podcast, and, and we... more church history probably than you wanted. But hopefully, no, it's, it's been helpful. Yeah, and really good. We should be very, very grateful that these people, at the cost of their lives, mm, literally, yes, yeah. they died for these truths. Mm-hmm. That we just assume mm-hmm. they died because they brought the Bible like Wycliffe bringing the Bible into the English language. Every copy that the church could find, they burned, you know, and he, and he, he eventually lost his life for that. Mm-hmm. John Hus lost his life for that. So did many, many others. Well, for those that want to dig a little bit deeper, do we want to go ahead and mention that, that reference, that resource that we have? That we oh, were sure. going to mention. It's yeah, called. It's a book called "The Reformation for Armchair Theologians." Yeah. I like if, that. I like the title if, alone. <laughs> yeah, if you want to know a little bit more, it's kind of a Reformation for Dummies kind of a concept. And I like that whole armchair theologian. I think, man, I I might have chosen that for the title of this podcast had I had I known that. Although I think there maybe is a podcast called that. Oh, there might be. Yeah. Did and we have that in the episode notes. For today, yes. if they want to get that link there. Okay, yeah, so great. it's a book. Okay. So re- say that again. It is I called kind of The Reformation you. for Armchair Theologians. Yeah, and, and we we'll, will link that in the episode notes. There we go. Where you can get it on Amazon. Or maybe even at Walmart. Wh- you can get your books at Walmart. So maybe <laughs> Only online. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks again, as always, for listening to Kitchen Table Theology. If you haven't yet done set, so please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening from. If you like the show and if you'd like to leave us a rating or review. Also, we need your questions. Don't forget that you can always send in questions. We love to do Q&A episodes here at Kitchen Table Theology. So if you've got burning questions, don't hesitate to send them over to Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. And I usually have a few that I'm, that I'm collecting along the way, and then we mm-hmm. do a Q&A podcast. I don't have any right now. We need your questions. So if you've got any questions regarding theology and the Bible and so forth. Yeah, Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. We would love to try to tackle them. Although I got to be honest, they're harder. Ooh, they've gotten harder yeah, with every the, Well, we started with questions from your grandchildren, so hopefully they've gotten Although they were pretty they were deep hard. though. Those were hard too. Yeah. Well, hey, while you're surfing the World Wide Web, go ahead and head on over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Pastor Jeff, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog posts. And Lord willing, we'll be back next week to tie all of these five solas together. And until then, go deeper and always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? 
We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.